0: And welcome to The Quest Begins. I'm Jason, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Jared and Michael, and we're going to talk D&D. Let's get into it. Hello everyone, we're back for The Quest Begins. Uh, Apparently I didn't decide to go with The Quest Continues, so looks like we're going to be on The Quest Begins for this this whole mess. We'll see. I don't know, maybe I'll just change it randomly.
1: It may take us a couple seasons to get to the, our, the end of our quest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. We're, I mean, especially
2: if Jason just keeps repeating that we're beginning every time, you know.
0: Yeah, hey, the quest is beginning, here it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Um. so uh, episode two of our D&D spinoff. Did we actually introduce ourselves? I introduced you.
1: Yeah, everybody knows who you are.
0: I mean, this might be the random episode they chose to listen to for the first time, you know? Alright, alright. I'm Jason. The beard is Jared. And Michael (laughs) is the Philosophizer. The old
1: bald man.
2: I love that this is an audio-visual
0: podcast. Yeah, I know. I almost pointed, like, hey, there's Jared over there. Just take a look. There he is. (laughs) Hi, I'm waving. (laughs) Anyway, um, so how much of this is gonna cut (laughs) on this episode? Uh, we want to talk about backgrounds. Um, we're gonna um, to reiterate what we talked about in our last episode. We are going to try and add a shared narrative to the D and D experience, taking seventh level bardcast into D and D. And so we wanted to start with something that was in the character creation section of D&D and seemed pretty natural that we'd start with backgrounds as it, for 5e, it is like their best attempt so far to include a narrative in the uh, mechanical game that is D&D. So, Any thoughts you guys want to add to this before we just jump right in?
2: I'm probably going to harp on it a lot, but I do think it was a very good inclusion, and I do think that there's a lot that can be done with it. However, I have a lot of reservations as well, (laughs) but I'll get into that more when we get in there. I just want to state that I'm not against backgrounds, I am against D&D,
0: but... I'm not against backgrounds, but I don't like backgrounds. (laughs) No, I don't.
1: I don't don't like the game that they're in.
0: (laughs) Uh, Michael, what about you?
1: I feel that backgrounds for 5e are a step in a positive direction for the overall tradition of the game. For the longest time, it was a game that depended on the stereotypes of races and, and their invented culture swarming around whatever Tolkien had written prior to that. There was really no, okay, you're playing this kind of a character, where do you come from? And you would invent something on the spot, and it usually fell into a trope or a stereotype based off of your race or some kind of religious belief of your character. So to actually have like a a background you can select and it slides into the mechanics I think that's a that's encouraging for the type of games that we like to play.
0: Yeah, I feel like um see I didn't I don't I'm not familiar with anything before um 3 and 3.5 but I I mean the true story of D&D is like, you know, You took a game that was mechanical, that was pure mechanics, which is war games, and you added that narrative aspect to it to create D&D. That's what became D&D, was adding the narrative aspect. And so I think when um, D&D went to 4th edition, it was almost like a pullback to war game style. Um, and it was, you know, just part of the times, like, um, that was a super popular theme at the time, but I feel like 5e took a step into, back into the narrative. And I think backgrounds was a big, um, part of that. Now it's not all that they did, but I feel like backgrounds, um, plays a big role in that.
1: I agree. I, I think you'll, you'll probably hear me say many times, that uh, backgrounds kind of make that step towards uh, how you begin your character's existence. What what started before you sit down at the table? What were they doing? But at the same time, you've already set up some mechanics for your character. You know, uh, you've got some skills that are related. You've got uh, some equipment that's related to. Your character, it uh, it almost feels like uh, that each one of these backgrounds is setting up its own trope or stereotype, but they've kind of shifted it into, uh, you know, an artisan or a musician or uh, a th- a a criminal, or um, what is the one you don't like, Jared, the Outlander, where?
2: Yeah, I hate the Outlander.
1: Where it's just everybody, you know, goes right to it because it has a special ability that eliminates a lot of uh, the challenges that players, characters have in the wilderness.
2: That's not the only reason people gravitate towards it, but I do find that a lot of people do like to take Outlander just because then it comes with a feat that is quite advantageous, especially compared to some of the other backgrounds. So a lot of people choose it just purely for that.
0: Yeah, um, that's actually one of my favorite parts of it, of not the Outlander, but of the backgrounds is that feature that kind of gives you like... Sometimes it feels like it's a little too specific, but then for me as a DM, I always look at it like, okay, how can I take their feature that they chose for that background... And create situations where they can use it, and you know, add that piece to my, my story. Um, so I Which always enjoy some that. of
2: them. Is great. Like don't get me wrong, some of them that's great, but on some other ones, it really detracts from some of them. Going back to the Outlander one, it basically says you can't get lost because you can perfectly recall the layout and terrain. And so people just don't get lost. Also, they can feed themselves and up to five members of a group, so... All kind of wilderness survival was stripped out of the game, which... Is fine if that's what you wanted and you set up in the general session, or the zero session. But if you're trying to include that, uh, some of those feats really just kind of steamroll it. Or... Those other ones that are really great, like the pirate one I love, which is just like, hey, you can get away with petty crimes like not paying for a meal at the inn, which is hilarious and great background story and just kind of general narrative and character narrative or not. What is it called again? Not when you're when you kind of display your traits by uh, acting something out with your character rather than telling somebody the direct traits.
1: Not exactly sure what you're talking about.
2: That's <laughs> where the axiom, or axiom, or whatever the fuck it's called, uh, where the saying, show, don't tell, comes from.
1: Oh, yeah. So,
0: I I get what you're saying, but I actually, could be, for, like, my play style, I've always, like, if I have a whole party that has dark vision for me as a DM, I look at it as an opportunity to not have to worry about that aspect of the game for the whole campaign. Like, I don't ever have to worry about whether or not they can see in the dark. I think, for me, it would be the same thing if I knew there was an outlander in the group. I could just be like, all right, well, now we don't have to worry about whether or not they have rations or whether or not, you know, um, they're in a place that they don't know where the hell they're going." Like. I would probably choose to just leave out those aspects of the game.
2: I that's uh, that's a zero session thing to me. Like I bring a lot of questions about that kind of thing to a zero session, and I've I've actually had a situation where you know somebody wanted to partake in some stuff like that, but another member of the party's feature kind of overwhelmed the any capability of doing so.
0: But if you look at that that background of the. Um, outlander you could easily just throw them in a place that doesn't isn't mapped or doesn't have um, like known um, like you could put them in the underdark they're not gonna know what the hell's going on because they're not familiar with those settlements and that kind of stuff like
1: you could house you could house rule it in that way and say that it's a particular terrain that they are familiar with because you put an an outdoorsman, that has been living in a temperate climate where there are trees and mountains, and you throw them in the desert, they might have a little bit of difficulty finding food and water in that because they're not familiar with it. So you, as the game master, could say, okay, what kind of terrain or or area are you from as an outlander?
0: And I think Jared's right. I think you introduce that stuff in the the zero session and say, look, you know, I like to include these kind of things in the game. So when I run it, I like to, you know, include these kind of challenges. If you choose this, it'll make it more difficult for me to include these challenges. Um, So I'm going to house rule this and say exactly what Michael just said. So I think it's totally possible to work with those things. Which brings me into my whole stick about why I don't like
2: backgrounds. <laughs>
1: well, actually, can you explain that to me? Your dislike for the background suite? So do you want to eliminate that part entirely from D&D?
2: I don't know what I would do to replace it. Because I feel like there's about three groups that backgrounds really fall into. One, they pigeonhole people into thinking, oh, they have to choose one of these backgrounds. They can't come up with their own. They can't work with the GM, blah, blah, blah. They have to find one that is sanctioned by the books. Two, they kind of go for the uh, optimization route, which is the thing about the Wanderer and why I have a particular dislike for it, because I know people who will grab it. And then it doesn't matter what you say, even as the GM... Because it specifically says a general layout of terrain, settlements, and other features around you. So they would argue, I've never been to the Underdark, but that doesn't matter. I'm an outlander. I'm used to weird terrain. I can adapt. And then it's like, as a GM, I have to step forward and kind of go, No, you can't. And then it turns into a kind of weird thing that I don't really like because it reminds me too much of microaggressions. And it just gets very tiring to me. So you have the people who get pigeonholed. You have the uh, optimizers. And then you have people who just honestly don't really use it. Because they don't feel like whatever they chose fits them. So they just choose something offhandedly. And then just kind of move on with the story. And never really pay attention to it. Now that's not to say they can't be used Appropriately, there's not to say that they can't be used. Well, it's just those three groups are kind of the ones that I always run into. And I'm not really, I don't really have an answer to how to really fix those. Because you're always going to have people who want to optimize. You're always going to have people who don't want to use a part of a system. We've talked about that plenty of times. And if you give less options people feel like there's not enough options. If you give too many options, they get uh, paralysis analysis or whatever it's called. So I kind of would like it to be restructured to be more open. But it's, it's not something that I can easily just say they should have done this and fix it. It's not an easy problem, which is one of the reasons why I say I don't dislike this. This is one of their first attempts, as you guys mentioned, to address this kind of thing. It's not going to be perfect, and I think they did an excellent job for one of their first goes at it. But um, there's just a lot of flaws I've seen in actual playing with various groups.
1: So, while I think you are hitting all of the points that are are correct about the base way that backgrounds are set up in the system... There are some tweaks that I know you would be able to use and fix those. It's just there has to be some buy in from your players so that they don't try to fall into one of those traps that you're talking about of of optimizing or you know not using them correctly. You have a conversation with them in your zero session and you set up more detail with their character and kind of pull them away from the description of that background in the book. Give them more. It's it's just a guideline. It's just a suggestion. You're, you're suggested to be a pirate. Well, what kind of pirate are you? Are you a sail-on-the-sea pirate that uh, goes around and kills everybody for their gold? Or, or are you uh, a pirate? A pirate that comes along and steals all the fish from all the fishermen in the in, in a certain water. So, I mean, you can add some some detail and, and beef up that background and pull it away from the base trope that it is.
2: Which is something that I like to do, because I like to give access to the backgrounds and then say, hey, if none of these fit you, we can alter their descriptions, we can specify them, we can tweak some things, like, hey, if you think you're going to be this one, but the uh, skills or you know, because all of them have, some of them only have two skills that are attached to them. And they might already have those skills from elsewhere, so they don't pick that one because even if they're not trying to optimize, they don't like to waste because, you know, it always feels bad when you double up on something very specific like that.
1: Change the rules. So I
2: try to uh, give them chance to, you know, trade out certain skills or whatnot based
0: on the description of their background.
1: Yeah. Just, just pull that out and change the rule then.
0: Which, and it is, which is what it suggests in the book. It's like, Hey, you know, these are just suggestions like uh, talk with your players, have them look them over and then tweak it. If you need to take a feature from somewhere else and put it with this one. If you think they think it fits better for their character or so on and so forth, you know, Um, I think, you know, like I'll, I'll give you an example of one, like when, uh, Liz made her character, which was the, you know, incarnation of one of my NPCs. And, um, she looked at the backgrounds and not having a whole lot of experience with D and D, she didn't really see anything that she liked. So I chain, I created one called the interloper, which is like someone from our world going into the D and D world. So it basically took her perception of D and D, you know, she is someone who's from outside of it. She only understands our world. She doesn't really understand the D and D world. And I created a, um, background from that. So, um, you know, I think it really what it comes down to is making sure that you're addressing a lot of these things in um, your zero session. You know, if you if you have problems that are coming up and you know that they're a problem, you know, um, make sure that you're addressing them. If you're having problems with optimizers, tell them, look, you know, I, I get that you want to optimize, but, um, you know, these are the rules that I'm going to set down ahead of time. If we have a problem with them, let's discuss them now. Because once it's set in stone, when we get into the game stuff, uh, there's no more questions about that. Like, um, I mean, there can be. I mean, we can talk about it, but we can say like, hey, this is what we talked about in the Zero session. So (laughs) there's no surprises here.
2: Honestly, it kind of just comes down to my main issue, which is... D&D has a lot of mechanics in it, and it sets out a very particular world, but it also says you can change anything about that world, however, doing so is a lot harder than you would be led to believe with the book. I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. And that's kind of like, like you said, they say, oh, change anything you want, blah, 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 I've run into players who would greatly slap me down for trying to do that. <laughs> I've run into people who would greatly encourage such things. It's just it is a lot about your playgroup and your playstyle and all that, like we've talked about before. And it's just it's very it's very hard for me to take away those kind of impressions and just look at the mechanic as the mechanic. Because I always look at how I've used the mechanic and how others have interpreted the mechanic. In the sessions, rather than it just being displayed for me, so
0: I feel like I've kind of derailed our subject matter. To be honest, you're fine. Um, I I mean it's fine. Let's get all the bad stuff out of the way first. But so I, I would like to jump into. Sorry, go ahead, Michael. No,
1: no, you're you're right. I'd like to get over to a different point of view and maybe talk some more positive. But one of the negatives that I have about the background because i kind of like the background as as a whole but one of the negatives is if the gm kind of forgets elements of your of your background and your background becomes kind of uh, a pointless or useless aspect of the character you built because you know you you go through and whether you whether you're thinking about it or not you want to optimize or be able to use all of these these mechanics and then the game master doesn't, doesn't figure that into his story. And the next thing, you know, your background is thrown out the window
2: pushed to the wayside. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's yeah. one warning I would give to game masters is don't forget about a, a character's background when you're working on the story from that zero session.
0: I, Um, One thing, it's a little off topic from what you said, but one of the things that I think um, uh, 5e was trying to bring, and it did it well, it did it really well, is it was trying to bring in new people into the game. And backgrounds is set up so that someone can just pick things, I mean it even has dice rolls for it, so if you can't even pick, you just roll the dice and it gives you a randomized thing for your character so that you can take those aspects and be like okay how do I move forward with that as someone who's experienced with D, with like you know role playing you're less likely to want to do that and so you're going to find flaws with it i think for me at this point what i've done with with the 5e backgrounds is i write out my background first based off of you know everything but those pieces and then when I go to write my you know bonds and flaws and all of those uh, pieces of the background, I write my own based off of what my background was rather than choosing something out of the book. I might use the book to give me like some um, uh, inspiration, but really I just end up writing my own stuff that ties closer to my character. But for someone who's brand new to the game, that's not really... You know, they they don't have that skill set to be able to do that. And so I think it does that well in that it...
2: I, I, I completely agree with that. And like I said, it was... I don't do that, or I very rarely do that. And the, my players very rarely do that, with the exceptions of some new players that I've been teaching D&D to. So... I don't really ever remember those things exist. (laughs) And, as I was mentioning before, I only really think of this as the construct that we've used, not as new players coming to it or whatnot, or just it by itself. It's hard for me to break those apart right now. And, as you just said, it is excellent for new players. It's excellent for just pick up and go. It's excellent for... Very snappy responses and just quick, fun character creation without having to think about things or go in depth into things.
0: On that note, knowing the things that we know about how we like to play, what would we do in order to turn that into a narrative, you know, um, you know, introducing those pieces into our stories and... You know, how do we go about um, creating that shared narrative using those background pieces as shared narrative type people?
2: You mean as a GM or as a player?
0: Uh, as, a, as a GM.
2: I have been one of the people that Michael is talking about who has either found it very difficult to work into a character's background... Sometimes because they've given me nothing to really work with other than the background taken straight from the book. Sometimes because it just clashes a lot with the story or is so far removed from the story that it's not going to have an impact. So I have been known in the past to uh, forget about my players' backgrounds. As Michael just said, you shouldn't do. And that is definitely a shitty thing to do. I know you won't, <laughs> But it, I, I feel like I should own up to it and say it right now. And it really uh, is not something that I try to endeavor to do. Even when the player themselves doesn't have a great interest in the background, I try to wheel it in nowadays, especially. And some of the best ways to do that is to reintroduce them into a place that they've been. So, have them enter a city that, let's say one of them is an urchin. They've built up a lot of thoughts about gangs or their street life or whatnot, but they haven't named a city. They haven't named a uh, climate or a region or whatnot. Somebody else is a noble house. They've, you know, maybe they've got... Nothing on it. They just know their dad and their sibling relationships and that's it. And their mother's dead or something. Just, you know, casually throw that one out there. You can very easily put all those into a single city and have them basically come back to and retread that old backstory turf and rediscover it anew. And I think that's a really great way to involve that backstory into the location because it drags a lot of their planned narratives or you can subvert some narratives and include it in a nice organic way without making it all forced or making you know oh the artifact you need to kill the demon is actually your family's inheritance and now you have to go back to your father and beg it from him things like that feel very forced to me. So I more so try to go for a situational way of re-exploring the backgrounds. I don't know if what I've said is just nonsense or if you guys understood that.
1: No, I understood what you were saying. Um, My approach is a little different. I usually, when it comes to a game system, I treat it as a template of what I can do and then I add to it or take away from it. Um, I think this is something I've said many times. If there's a rule or a piece of it that I want to set to the side and I don't feel like it's super important to what we're doing, I will do that. Backgrounds are a template for a character, and you can take pieces out of them and expand on them by having that conversation with the player. I think that the player needs this as like a, a kickoff point. If I were going to sit down and play a D&D character, I would alter my normal behavior of waiting until Session 5 to decide what kind of character background I have. I would start digging deeper into these elements. So if I were going to play a character that has a sailor background, then... I would want to build off of, okay, why is this character a sailor? Was he pressed into service or did he live in a, a town where sailing was just uh, an aspect of the local economy? And, and I would dig deeper into that by just the name alone. And then you can look at the other aspects of, of that particular background and build on it. And you as a game master can suggest these things, from your settings since you already kind of have an idea in your head you can point them towards things and connect them to your world we've we've talked about that before where you try to get in the zero session get your players to to connect themselves to the world and i think backgrounds are the mechanic or even just uh an aspect of D&D 5e that helps with that
0: yeah so um and you both talked about it but Um, I think that's, that's the important piece right there is that you establish, um, some questions that you're going to ask, like about that, make sure that you know what backgrounds that your players are going to have and ask them questions that delve into that background so that you can start to take those pieces and put them into your story. Um, and I think even going further than that, like have questions that you're going to ask them. And then have ones that you don't immediately answer in zero session. Set up situations that come in down the road that are like, oh, hey, um, this ship is in dock. Um, Have you ever uh, met this captain before? Have you ever, like, you know, like, introduce story pieces and then give them an opportunity to tie it to their background Um, so that they're, you know... uh, it gives them a reason to tie themselves to that narrative. Um, and then I also think um, I was just thinking about this. I've never done this before, but I was just thinking um, another interesting aspect to be able to use it with backgrounds is, okay, so we have all these different people from different backgrounds, right? So we know as people who um, interact with each other in, in real life, You're all from different backgrounds like, you know, Michael was raised different than I was. How do we interact with each other? What commonalities do we find with each other because of our backgrounds and what things do we totally not agree on because of our backgrounds, how we were raised? Use some NPCs that maybe like have the same background as one of your characters um, to... Be like, oh yeah, these two sailors, they have this interaction. And um, because they're both sailors, how does that affect the other backgrounds? How does that, you know, rub them the wrong way? Or how does that cause them to want to be a part of that, you know, um, uh, commonality that those two sailors have? I think using those backgrounds to draw the other players together can work just as much as it would work. Um, pulling them into your story as the GM. Uh, Any thoughts on that?
2: There's a certain nuance that really has to be brought in to cause especially clashing backgrounds or clashing players in general to kind of mix and meld into a group. So going back to my example of, you know, throwing the street urchin and the noble house into the same city... There's a lot of kind of mixing you can do to that. Was the noble house just like all the other noble houses in the area? Or perhaps they were setting up orphanages or offering labor, you know? Was the urchin, who was a member of the gangs, happily in the gangs? Did they grow up not expecting to be anything different and just always expecting to kind of just live their life in the streets? Or did they dream of grandeur maybe the urgent always dreamed of becoming a servant of the noble family and wanting to be a knight there's a lot of interplay that we've seen throughout tons of stories and movies that can just be played out between uh characters using their players or not you know what i mean so it's really a good way of intermingling them
1: I think that um, what you're talking about, Jason, is, is similar to my approach to any type of background that you're going to have. If it's not a connection directly to the setting, you know, uh, where they are, where they're from, put somebody that they can connect with, an NPC, so that a a relationship can develop through their background. It gives an aspect of buy-in, but also some things that you can pull on while you're telling your story. You you have that that talent of, of pulling strings, and an NPC that they are connected to through background is a prime opportunity for you to pull those strings.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right, well, uh, is there anything else you guys want to cover on the backgrounds? Um, I mean, there's something to be said about flaws. I mean, um, Josh from Leighton Legends uh, talked about when we had him on the show, that was one of his favorite things because um, it really, for him, is what he latched onto as a GM that he could use to try and um, feed into their story. You know, use those flaws to really make his uh, players think about their character's actions in the game. Like, how do those actions um, define you through that flaw? Like, is is the flaw something that you're trying to overcome? Well, then, if that's the case, then I'm going to throw you things that, that your character may have to think about. Oh, Well, you know, I'm trying to overcome this, but here's this opportunity. Do I want to take it or do I want to continue to try and better myself as a character? Um, So I think, you know, we've, we've talked about sort of like, I don't want to say teaching them a lesson, but, but helping characters grow through um, making hard choices. Um, I think if you use the flaws for that, um, it's, it's opportune time to use it. It, it provides a good opportunity as a GM to do that.
1: And also another aspect of the background part is the bonds. We've played many games where the bonds are so important in the character creation, they actually set the framework of of the group working together. And if you use the bonds in 5e, it's going to turn out similar to what you you were talking about before, that NPC that's in uh, the same background. You can also connect to other backgrounds with your background. So you can connect to different ones through that bond. Um, and it doesn't have to be one specific person. It could be a, a group of people that you're willing to to bond with and help no matter what. It kind of helps push characters in a direction and commit them to how they feel about the world and the people around them.
0: So to me, it sounds like um, the, the s- most sound piece of advice, advice that we've given so far I, is if you're going to really include these things from the background to make a shared narrative, it all begins with your zero session conversations and putting in that work initially to get the ball rolling and it will become a lot easier as you go down the road. I felt like I just did a wrap up.
1: You did, did just, just do a wrap up. That was a beautiful wrap <laughs> <I did>. up. <laughs> well, we're done.
2: We're done. <laughs> and this has been Jared. <laughs>
1: that was a that was a really clear and concise wrap up. I don't think I need to say any more on top of that.
0: <laughs> I didn't mean to, like, I was, like, saying it, and I was like, oh, this sounds like a wrap-up. Um, <laughs> well, I think that was
2: a very good wrap-up for the narrative side. What about the mechanical side?
1: Would you like to try that?
2: Oh, hell no, because I'm, oh, I'm hell trying no. <laughs> not to be negative.
1: <laughs> well, if I was going to do a wrap-up on the mechanical side, I would say that backgrounds help shared narrative by st- by starting the the process of creating the characters. It's not easy all the time to just come up with a background. But if you can start with an, a nugget, a seed of what your background is, you can build that into a shared narrative.
0: All right. Well, I think we uh, talked on that subject long enough. So uh, if you guys have any questions about backgrounds or uh any of our dnd's questions or information so far feel free to uh come on the discord server uh you can find the link on our website seventh levelbardcast.com, and start a conversation uh until next time this has been jason
1: this has been michael
0: and this has been jared
2: bye-bye this has been a production of seventh level Bartcast. copyright 2021 Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at seventhlevelbardcast.com. Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show,
1: like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Alexander Nakarada.